What's happening, everybody? Welcome to a brand new episode of Crossed Up. It is a Monday morning here, second week of October. Phillies game one. What a win. And Anthony, I know you go back to last postseason, so many memorable moments, so many big time performances. And I guess I shouldn't have been surprised but what I by what I saw on Saturday night, but I was a little surprised. And and what a game. It was a total team effort. Here we are now recording the show. Phillies have Zach Wheeler on the mound tonight opposite Max Freed with the chance to put a death grip on this NLDS series. Uh, Bob, you, you say you were you shouldn't have been surprised. And I'm not surprised that the Phillies won. I'm just surprised about how they went about it. <laughs> because <laughs> because uh, there is no um there is no place on earth where I would walk into it and say, yeah, I'm going to manage a, fo- a baseball game this way and and think I'm going to be successful, especially a baseball game against that lineup and think I'm going to be successful. But to the Phillies' credit, to Rob Thompson's credit, it worked somehow, and they shut out the Braves, who were shut out at home for the first time in more than two years and only the third time this season, first time since May. How do you not? give the plaudits right how do you not you know give a standing ovation for the way that game was handled because it worked brilliantly now if it didn't we'd be having a whole different conversation on this podcast this morning but in in reality you have to say you know speak positively about something even if you don't think it was the right thing to do and it worked so positive you know i speak positively today about what happened even if, even though I'm still shaking my head about it a little bit. Well, so when they take out Ranger Suarez the other night, I know I knew how you felt about it without even talking to you. I knew it's you didn't not, like it's, it. It's terrible in my mind. And it's and I said to myself, man, like I don't I don't love this. And so I sent you the text message, and you're like, yeah, I, I hear you. But I tweeted a really spineless take, which was like, I get it, but I don't love it. Um, and and, and obviously it worked out. I mean, Jeff Hoffman comes in and and puts out a fire in that fourth inning there. The only thing I'll say now, looking back at it, and obviously we have the luxury of knowing that it worked, and it worked brilliantly, uh, in fact. Uh, so it's not like I'm going to sit here and become uh, overly critical of it. But you you kind of do wonder if going through that order a second time, going through the meat and the heart of that order a second time. Like One thing you, you can say about this Braves offense is that it, things can escalate quickly. So right. while the contact was weak and while he was rolling and throwing the ball well, the Phillies didn't need his length in that game. This wasn't the middle of August with a beat-up bullpen. I mean, these guys were fresh. They knew they had the benefit of having the down day on Sunday. Like, why not go all in? And, you know, listen, we we could sit here and, and relitigate every single maneuver, uh, and they were – I don't know. Were they fortunate that all, what, six guys performed yeah. at that level? I mean, it's yeah. hard to get everyone to click in succession like that. But, I mean, it worked, and – you know, hopefully tonight they're not doing the same thing. Hopefully tonight's the one where you hand the ball to Zach Wheeler and he just gives seven innings and it's a little bit more conventional. Yeah, I agree. And and you know, again, I don't I don't want to criticize Bob. I really don't because it worked and they're up one nothing and people are coming to the podcast expecting you know excitement and and hear us sure. talk about talk about how they're you know they got a leg up in the series against the Braves and. You know, we've been talking about it. We talked about it last week. I, I changed my pick after the I saw the way that things went against the Marlins and talking to some people and listening to what's going on around baseball and, and what's going on with the Braves. And I changed my pick to the Phillies. And, you know, so there de- definitely needs to be positivity. I just don't know if you needed to do it when they did it. I think you could have gone a little bit well, longer. It doesn't matter. And, yeah. it, you know, what What ultimately transpires is what could be looked at as one of the uh, best managed games in the history of the franchise. Like, <laughs> like seriously, like, that's that's what we do. Like, we're going to look at this. Well, if they go on to beat Atlanta and they go on to finish this run, you're going to go back to this game and say, like, my God, like, this was true true brilliance. Yeah, well, we'll talk. It'll be called the bullpen game or whatever we want to call yeah. it. We'll come up with a name for it. Um, but I do have two questions about it, Bob. And and this is this is looking forward. This is not looking back. So I want to look forward now. Sure. But here are my here are my two questions about it. You can choose to answer them whichever way you want to go. Um, the first is <clears throat> why why would do you go Alvarado in the sixth and have to rely on Matt Strom in the eighth against the same part of the lineup? Um, and then secondarily, now that you've done this, does this 
ruined the element of surprise that this could happen again in game four, which could be a clinching game. Well, um, I mean, let me address the second question. I don't know that the element of surprise matters in terms of the bullpen matchups against the Atlanta offense as the game progresses. Like, there was speculation that they were going to do this. I mean, like, I know that Ranger Suarez was surprised by it. I know that he went around Saturday and told each individual players, this isn't a panic move. This is what we're going to do. But it wasn't really all that hard to see. Like, I mean, and I wasn't alone in saying this, but like I went on WIP Friday night and I was talking to uh, Tom Kelly and I said, like, you see that extra built in day because he asked me, like, who does that benefit that that added off day? And I said, I think it benefits the Phillies. Like, yes, Atlanta can throw Strider and Freed four times in five games, but this can allow the Phillies to be extraordinarily aggressive with their bullpen in game one, especially knowing how well the Braves lineup performs against left-handed pitching like that Suarez was great and, and kudos to him, but on paper, that was not a great matchup for them. So I don't think it was hard to see that they could do that. And I don't think that Atlanta was totally caught off guard. Maybe they were in the fourth inning. Like, wow, that, that was quick. We knew they might be aggressive. This is crazy aggressive, but I don't know that the element of surprise part of it truly matters. Um, do you want to address that first? Well, we yeah, sure. And, and I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why I, I think it matters because I think that if you're Brian Snitker, maybe knowing what just took place in game four, now get right, this is a guy who changed a lineup that worked to historic levels for 162 games in the first playoff game. He changed the lineup around. Okay. Mm-hmm. And the reason he did it made up to me still makes a lot of sense. If you know the Phillies are going to try and match up lefties on Matt Olson to try and negate his abilities, and so what he did is he put moved Ozzy Albies behind Olson so that most of the time that a left-handed pitcher, whether it's a starter like Suarez or any of the lefties coming out of the pen, comes into the game, not only are they going to get Olson, but they're going to then have to most likely get Albies right behind him because you have to face three pitchers or three batters. And Albies absolutely crushes, destroys, obliterates. I think he hit 391 against lefties this year. Um, and so, therefore, you're it's, it's like a pick your poison kind of thing. You know, do you want Olsen to face a righty so that you get Albies on the left side? Or are you going to bring in your lefty for Olsen? And then we're going to get you, you know, a guy who could absolutely crush lefties right behind him. And it's in a lot of ways similar to what the Phillies did when they against left-handed pitching, when they spread out their lefties and put two righties on either side and basically made the Marlins make a decision, which we talked about last last time before the wildcard series. So I think what what doing that does is does it allow Atlanta to plan a little bit differently with how they want to approach their lineup so that if the Phillies decide to do this again, Atlanta has a better plan in the way their lineup is set up. That's I'm the only thing. That, like, let me just like, let me go more like general fan on this one, because like I acknowledge yeah. from a baseball point, a strategical standpoint, what you're saying makes total sense. But I would argue and I, I'm going to just probably vibe with the listener here. Yeah. They won the game. They won the game three. Oh, for sure. They have a chance to go up 2-0. So in some ways, like my response from like a like if if I could shift my camera around for people <laughs> watching on YouTube, like, hey, like Phillies, right? Like, who fucking cares? Like they, they have a chance to be up 2-0. Let them play, let Brian Snickner do whatever the hell he wants with the lineup. It doesn't matter. You know, but I, I understand. I, I, I understand what you're saying. And yeah, I mean, that's something that you might have to revisit because let's say the Phillies don't get it done in game two tonight, and then you come back. Uh, and they're down 2-1. They're up 2-1. Like that, that game four is going to be huge because you don't want, even with the lead, even with the series leading game four, you don't want that thing to come back to Atlanta now. Like, And it's, it's funny how quickly the mentality shifts around. Like I said, hey, if you can get this thing back to Philly 1-1, it is a net positive, an overwhelming win. And it is. And it is. But we watched this last year. You sneak a game with Ranger Suarez on the mound in game one, a game you're probably not supposed to win. You win it. Now you have Zach Wheeler. Game two, you hand him the ball and you say, "Go do it." Like you can drop the hammer tonight. And like you don't want Atlanta. Like I don't want Atlanta to get any sign of life here. And if they win tonight, the Phillies. Like I'm not saying it's over, but it's over. And like I, that's 
one thing that this team has been so good at, like they are consistent as hell. Like the, the things they do well, they do well. They, they play to trends and the things that they don't do well in terms of trends, like, man, they stick to it. And one thing that they've been great at is the game ones in, in these playoff series, dating back to last postseason, six and oh now in game ones, right? Well, game two has been a different story. They're two and three. They, yeah, they got the Marlins in game two. They got the Cardinals in the wild card round in game two to complete the sweep last year. But, but game two has been an issue for these guys relatively speaking don't make it harder than it needs to be tonight i'm going to i'm going to now play devil's advocate to my own concern i think that the phillies have a another plan if it goes to game 4 that is not the same as what they did in game 1 okay. and i think that's when christopher sanchez could come into play in this in this series if it goes to game four. And and do you mean that in like, if they were holding a two, one series lead, they might start Christopher. No, Sanchez? no. What I think you're looking at, Bob, is I think you're looking at the next time around could be a piggyback as opposed to, we're going to just start deploying our guys. And the reason is it will be coming off of a game the night before. So you're, you don't know what your bullpen usage is going to be in game three. Granted, if Nola goes out and pitches a gem, it could change. It could change yet again. Yeah. But you, but you, you like you will not have the luxury of saying, "Here you go, all six guys fresh." Anyway, correct, I mean, correct. You're not going to have fresh, full a fresh bullpen likely. So what I think you're going to get is Ranger starts, and then you're going to see some Christopher Sanchez as a as a you know as a tandem before you get into the bullpen, and I think that will be different than what it was in Game One. And that cha- that also changes the dynamic a little bit. So I do think that there are two separate plans in play here. And what they did in game one was their way of stealing game one. And that if it comes to game four, regardless if you're up to one, down to one, that it's going, it's not going to be the same. So what were the big takeaways? Uh, well, we from... have one other thing. We have one other thing to address oh. there. Oh, I forgot there was. A- yeah, Alvar- I know we talked so long about that. Alvarado Strom. What do you, what is your thought on that? Well, yeah, and and in real time, I I did not love that, and and frankly, if there was one thing that they really got away with, it was Strom in that eighth inning. Like I, I just you know you felt like you felt like watching that that they were playing with fire there, and and like for that reason, like the one thing I will say about the strategy was that they left themselves vulnerable at the end of that game. Uh, they got away with it, obviously. Uh, you know, Turner makes the the spectacular uh, the spectacular play. I, I just, I don't know what I make of that. The only thing I can say is that if you're holding the lead at that point, maybe you say like, we're going to go through this part of the order. Let's get through it clean and see if we can tack on. And, yeah. you know, and to me, that's what it was. It was ultra aggressive. I think it's almost like we're so aggressive in this game that we're just going to keep our foot on the gas. We're going to try to buy ourselves some time and see if we can turn two, nothing into five, nothing. And so then that way we're not using, you know, we're not using our best reliever up five. Like that, that's, that was the way I looked at it. I don't know if there's any other way to look at it. I, I guess I just look at it and say, if you're facing guys and you, you know, you want to put that lefty on Olsen, I get it. And you're facing guys in the sixth inning, you know, they're going to come up again one more time. Sure. Why not have your best guy for when, you know, the end of the game? In that spot. That's the only thing. If it was the seventh inning, I'm on board. I'm cool. I just thought it was an inning too early. This is why I, I, I felt all along that everything was an inning too early. But that's yeah. that's beside the point. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I hope hopefully going forward when they face this situation that they would will have Alvarado for, you know, seventh, eighth, or ninth and not be using him so early in the game and be, and lose that big bullet. Because right now he's the best pitcher in the bullpen. So, you look at game one, obviously Suarez gives you uh, three-plus really stellar innings. I think probably delivered more than what I had expected, Uh, maybe not in terms of length, but in terms of quality. Um, I mean, what else can you say about him? He just continues to be uh, just a a huge benefit to this team in the postseason. And it's really weird. You just didn't know what to expect from him necessarily coming into the series because if we're being honest, like his, his regular season was pretty pedestrian, you know, yeah. he had stretches where he put it together, but overall you weren't like, man, 
this is a killer number three starter that just every time you hand him the ball, you feel like you have a sizable advantage. For him to to go out and give you those innings and kind of eat away at what Spencer Strider did, because, I mean, really what you were looking for early in the game was to just match punch for punch with Spencer Strider because you felt like you would have the advantage as the game wore on if things were at least tied. So to come out of that ahead was was a huge lift. And, I mean, we all know what the bullpen did. Hoffman comes in, makes a bunch of really good pitches. And they, they were stellar. So, I mean, like you feel really good about the bullpen. They got to be pitching with a lot of confidence right now. Feel good about what Suarez did. Like offensively, though, what was your takeaway of that? Because it was funny. John Clark tweeted something out like, isn't it amazing how like Spencer Strider dominates the Phillies during the, the regular season, but uh, during the postseason, they light him up. I'm like, D- we did not watch the same game. I mean, Spencer Strider yeah. destroyed the Phillies the other night. Like they, were, yeah. they, they had to get the pitching performance that they got in order to survive that start from Spencer Strider. He was awesome. Yeah, no, correct. I mean, really, Phillies only had a couple good hits off him. You know, the Harper home run, and then uh, yeah, obviously the RBI, the uh, RBI single uh, by Stott. But other than that, um, I, I think that the guy that, and everything you said is accurate, but I think that the guy that kind of gets lost in here that I think deserves some credit is Real Muto. And, and the reason I say that is, and this is where, and I wrote the story about how important it was that the most important decision was not telling Ranger Suarez that this was the plan. Um, but Real Muto then, when he's calling the game, calls it differently for Suarez because he's not looking to set up batters for the second time through the order or third time through the order, like with the with the with the pitch selection. Instead, he's pitching Suarez like he's only going through that order one time. Right. Pretty much, yeah. and, and that was kind of how they were attacking it, especially early. Um, and, and you know, they identified the 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 thing, and not that Suarez throws ninety seven or whatever, but they set up, they identified the fact that the 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 Braves struggle a little bit more, like every team does. This is not rocket science, but that the Braves struggle a little bit more with higher velocity fastballs. And so the notion was, let's get those high-velocity fastballs into the game as quickly as we can. And you really just so it was, Ranger, pitch, don't necessarily pitch like you always pitch. Get through the lineup once, maybe a few extra guys. Let's get you started into the fourth inning. And then we'll bring we'll bring heat the rest of the game. And, and that was the plan. And that's why it, I think that's why it worked, because I'm not certain – that Atlanta was expecting. I really don't. You said that they weren't. Maybe they shouldn't have been surprised by it. I, I think they wouldn't. Shouldn't have been surprised by the fact that the Phillies were using the bullpen. I think that they were that they were surprised by the way the Phillies used the bullpen. And I think that's what kind of catches them off guard a little bit. Like, like you don't expect to see Jose Alvarado come in in the in the sixth inning. Like you just don't expect it. And then all of a sudden you're going out there for an at bat in the sixth inning. All right, we're down a run or down whatever. I don't know. Was it two nothing at that point or one nothing at that point? When the Harper. What inning did Harper hit the home run? Uh, I believe that was the sixth. Okay, so it just t- turned to nothing. Yeah. So it's just turned to nothing. So you're like, okay, well, we got to get we got to get a couple runs back, and then all of a sudden you start you, you see their best reliever coming out of the bullpen. You're like, well, whoa, whoa, wait, wait right. a second, we weren't expecting this. Like, I kind of like it, it takes you a minute to adjust to that, Bob. So I, I don't know. I I, I think that um, they did kind of catch the Braves a little off guard with it, and and it, it was it, look, it worked. It was really good. It was a good plan. And I give Real Muto, but I give Real Muto a lot of credit on on Suarez because of how that game was called. So I'm I'm kind of like dialed in here, and I think it's because we're recording this on Monday, more than a day after the completion of Game One. It's not that instant reaction. Let's celebrate yeah. and take it all in. I'm like, okay, Game Two, Game Two, Game Two. Yeah. And I guess what I'm trying to figure out is what am I what am I missing here because. Ahead of this ser- uh, ahead of the series, ahead of game one, the Phillies, and we talked about this on Friday's show, if you looked at the odds, they were like plus 145 to win the series. It's about a 40% implied probability. And then after the game one win, it has shifted to Phillies minus 170 now, which is about like a 62-63% implied probability. And that feels about right in general to me. I'd say that the Phillies have somewhere between a 60 and 65% chance to win the series. That feels about right. But then I look at game two's odds, and they're a pretty big underdog tonight. And again, like not a betting show, not trying to turn this into a betting podcast, but I, I feel like that's borderline disrespectful in a way. 
um, not just because of what the Phillies are and, and how dangerous they can be, but we've also seen around baseball, like there is no, like there hasn't been a lot of take a punch, throw a punch this postseason. Like, yeah, the, the twins did it last night. They answered in game two against the Astros, but everything else has just been win game one, win game two. And I look at this matchup specifically and I go, I know the Braves were the favorite. They, they were the favorite to win the world series coming into the playoffs. One game, I guess really in essence shouldn't, shouldn't alter that reality, but Zach Wheeler has great numbers against this Braves lineup. He has great postseason numbers and Freed's faced the Phillies once this season. He pitched against the Phillies back at Citizens Bank Park last uh, last month. Five innings, one run. He's really good. He's one of the game's best pitchers, all that stuff. But the Phillies have great numbers against Max Freed. Like, to me, they have the advantage tonight. They have the momentum. I think that the day off, in a way, will can potentially further disrupt the Atlanta offense. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if the Braves win. Like, I picked the Braves to win the series, and I guess I'm not even changing that prediction in general. But tonight I'm looking at this going like, what am I missing here? Because to me, this shapes up in a very good way for the Phillies. It does. It does It does shape up better for the Phillies. And I'm a little surprised by the odds. I'll be honest with you. I'm, I'm a little surprised by the odds. The only thing I can think is this. We know now what the Phillies do against the lefties and the way that they put that lineup together. And it, it is a little bit weaker offensively. Just sure. a little bit, right? Because, you know, Pache is going to be in for Marsh. Um, and, and so, you know, the bottom of the lineup isn't as good. And then you're spreading out. You know, your lefties become a little bit less effective. So maybe that's the reason why you're seeing the the odds being in favor of the Braves. But as we talked about last time when, we, when you brought up the, you know, implied probability and stuff, it's always a little bit the the real percentage is always a little bit less, right? Because they're trying to get action on mm -hmm. both sides. Um, so yeah, I mean, if I look at it, I say you're probably in that fifty five percent range for the Phillies to win the series. So they have a, they have an advantage, but it's but not completely not over yet. Um, and then tonight, you, 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 the implied probability was what six? You said sixty five percent that Atlanta wins this game tonight. Is that what the? Is that uh, it's a little bit less than that, but I mean, 63, it's sixty-three you know, percent. So it's probably somewhere in that fifty-seven percent range. So I just, I, let me which I still think is a little high, but at the yeah. same time, I think that you're. It like, gets I guess closer what I'm to saying 50. is, like, if I were to step back from this and look at this game tonight, I'd say, like, well, there's some value on the Phillies there. Not to say that Atlanta won't win the game, but like, I just feel like when you're talking about a guy that has been one of the best postseason pitchers in recent memory. Like that's not hyperbole either. Like he's really been that good Zach Wheeler. Yeah. Um, and I, I think it's this too, Bob, we've seen this Braves lineup. They're not going to get shut out again. Right. No, I, I doubt it. Not. I should say that. I, I shouldn't say they that. should, but I doubt they're going to get shut out again. Um, And it's their, it, this is their season. They can't afford to go down 2-0 to the Phillies. They can't. So, like, if you're this historic team, if you're this great offense, if you're this overwhelming favorite, if you're the best team in baseball and everybody else has to come chase you, you got to win the night. If you don't, it's a, it's pretty much over, like you said. And so I think that that's probably the mindset of why the, the, the line is what it is because the, it just you, – you can't deny what the Braves are offensively. And then just automatically say after one game getting shut out. Oh, I, I agree with that. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Know. I mean, I think that that's why the odds are what they are. But, you know, and I wrote this this morning. We keep talking about the Braves historically good offense. I mean, how many times, you know, how sometimes like in sports, like we just start to repeat the same phrases and the same yeah. verbiage again and again. historically good. Let me give you something about Zach Wheeler that's historically good. Lowest postseason whip in MLB history of any pitcher to throw at least 40 innings in the playoffs. You know who number one is? Zach Wheeler. I mean, and, and here's here's who is on this list. So it's Zach Wheeler, 0 0.732. Mariano Rivera, 0 0.759. Kenley Jansen, 0 0.796. Sandy Koufax, 0 0.825. Like the two guys that are chasing Wheeler on that list are relievers. Zach Wheeler starts are as good as Rivera and Jensen in single innings, like in relief appearances. I mean, that's how stingy Zach Wheeler has been. And like, I don't want to get carried away with this. Like, you know, Braves can 
score five runs tonight. Okay, cool. Like that, that is possible. That's in play. Like there's no doubt about it, but I would also look at the numbers and just say like, well, what's Wheeler done against them this season? Three starts, 19 innings. The Braves are hitting 186 as a team against them this season. So, you know, he struck out 21 in 19 innings. He had that great start right around Memorial Day down there. It might've been his best start of the season. Like it's a pretty good matchup. And even if you expand that thing out a step further and you just kind of look at what they've done as a team throughout their careers, collectively the Braves, guys that will appear in this game tonight or could appear in the game tonight are hitting 217 with a 661 OPS against them. Like this is a good matchup on paper for Zach Wheeler. I, I don't disagree with you. I and I, I in fact, if you know, I know we're not a betting podcast, but if I was, I don't, what's the over under, Bob? Because I'm taking, I know, the, I, I'm taking I the under. Whatever it is, I'm taking the under. You going under I, again? I, You're I, well, another I think it's a low. I think it's a low scoring game. Um, be, because of everything that you're saying, I think it's just think it's a low scoring game. Well. Here's here's what I would say. Like, would I expect the Braves and the uh, over under is eight? By the way, would I expect the I'll, Braves I'll to maybe score some runs tonight? Because as you said, they are a great offense. Um, okay, like so. Then to counter that, Max Freed. Like I, we talked about Max Freed uh, probably about a month ago, and I sort of I went back and listened to it, and I said, you know, I think I kind of downplayed what he is. Like he truly is one of the game's better starting pitchers. Um, and he was very good in, in five innings against the Phillies in September. And that's, you certainly have to acknowledge that, but there are a couple things that are, are sort of striking about this. And, and the least of which, like, I mean, I think it, it bears mentioning he's not appeared in a game in 18 days. Like, I don't mm-hmm. think that the blister will be an issue tonight. I'm not expecting Max Fried to be a disaster and come out like, Oh, and the blister, here we are. Like, is that possible? Yeah. Like there is a, a small potential for that, but I think right. that he's probably healthy. But you look at this now and you say, all right, the guy hasn't thrown in a major league game in almost three weeks. How have the Phillies done throughout their, their careers against uh, Max Freed? And it's, it's pretty good. The Phillies as a team are hitting 299 against him with an 844 OPS. And I'll just give you a few guys in particular that have not just had some success, but have absolutely mashed him. Nick Castellanos is 8 for 13 with a 1.538 OPS. Harper, 9 for 30, two home runs in his career against Max Fried. Real Muto, 10 for 24, OPS over 1,000. Trey Turner, 14 for 35, OPS over 1,000. Like, they have multiple guys in this lineup that have had, in more than just a small sample, we're not talking about two for four here. Like, we're talking about anywhere between 15 to 30 at-bats where they've really had success against this guy. It seems like if you're going to face a top of the rotation lefty, there's there's some historical data here that points to that the Phillies can probably get to him a little bit. Yeah, and that's and that's a good thing. I mean, and and here's what I wanted to one of the things I certainly wanted to talk about, and I think that this kind of dovetails into that nicely. By, um, you know, we didn't even bring up the fact that the Phillies stole five bases in Game One. They tried mm-hmm. to steal six. Real Muta got thrown out early, but they then they stole five in a row. The first two off of Strider and then three off the bullpen. Um, and the belief was, oh, well, you know, Spencer Strider doesn't, you know, doesn't hold runners well. He, he's got a little bit of a longer delivery so they can get, they can run on him. I'm telling you that they're running on Sean Murphy. And yeah. Max Freed is a guy who has a really good hold. I mean, he's got, he's got a good pickoff move. He can, he can hold runners well. And I'm still going to predict that the Phillies run on them a little bit tonight. And and I think that they're running on the catcher. And it's funny. I said, well, Sean Murphy's got the second best pop time behind JT Real Muto among starting catchers or whatever it is. But yet his his throwing out runner rate is pretty low. And that tells me that he's physically quick, but that the arm is either not strong or not accurate, one or the other. And so I still think that the Phillies are going to run on him. And that, that's why I put that tweet out the other the other day about that this is not just a strider thing. Um, so if these guys are able to get on base, I think you're going to see them take bases on, on the Braves again. And so therefore, if you're looking to, looking for positives for the Phillies against Max Fried in game two, I think that they're going to continue to be aggressive. I think they're going to continue to push that envelope and they're going to try and force Sean Murphy to throw them out. 
because he hasn't shown the ability to to do it with any kind of consistency at the uh, uh, this season. Uh, I shouldn't say at the major league level this season. So we do a podcast, and one of the things that you want to talk about it's like the matchups and the numbers, but you also want to talk about the feel and where are these teams at from a mental standpoint? Where are they at from a psychological standpoint? So I want to ask you this and just kind of get get your thoughts on this specific series and the way that this has played out through through one game. Do the Phillies have a an advantage in terms of the intangibles coming into tonight? Like yes. into game two. Yes. Is, is the momentum thing real? Is the, the day off thing real? Uh could Atlanta be in a situation now where they will press because oh no, oh shit. Here we go again. Like how much of that when I size up tonight's game should I take into account? I I think it's it's huge. And I say that because even if the Braves come out and blow the Phillies doors off tonight. Let's just say Wheeler has a bad game, the Braves score 10 runs, tie the series whatever. The one thing Atlanta has to know is this Phillies team's not intimidated. They don't care. All right, we had a bad game. We're going to come back and play hard. We're going to play just as hard, if not better, the next game. That's just how the Phillies are. So I think that intangible exists, and, and Atlanta knows it. Like, we, we've we talked about this all year, that the, the Phillies don't – they don't shy – they don't get shy when it comes around the Braves, right? They they are just out there like, oh, yeah, you're Atlanta? That's great. We're going to play. Funny you mention that because if you go back to the the seven games in September that we talked about, where the Phillies they lose three out of the, uh, th- they lost four out of the seven, so they went three and four. But we were saying like you know a couple of those games could have gone either way. Uh, how many times did Atlanta kind of separate themselves and the Phillies would immediately answer? And yeah. it was just like a you had to be almost annoyed by that in the moment. If you're like if you're an Atlanta fan, if you're a Braves player, like these guys just don't stop you know and and Atlanta went on to win a couple of those games the Phillies couldn't get out of their own way late they lost in extra innings they didn't execute like that's all true and so a win is a win a loss is a loss but you had to look at the way that those games progressed and just say like man there's just not a lot of quit they just keep coming and coming and coming and I think and, and, and one other one other quick note on that Bob that I think is important that it, that should should say something about the playoffs in the in those series in those games, they're being managed differently because they're you know guys are uh, we can't use this guy today this reliever is down or this guy needs a day off because he's played 20, day, 20 days in a row or whatever the case might be. So you have a whole different approach to playing those games, and you still do that. And now come the playoffs and everybody's healthy and everybody's fresh. Well, now now not only are we going to keep coming, but we're going to actually get out get out in front of you. And you may not be able to come back on us. That's kind of the mentality the Phillies have. The uh, inning was frustrating. The first inning on on Saturday night yeah. because they they waste the opportunity, and then everyone and their mom with a great astute observation can't waste those scoring opportunities. Like, thank you. Uh, yeah. It's very insightful. Um, but like, obviously, you you really don't want to waste those scoring opportunities. I still, however, loved the way the game started. It's like okay. Here we go. Spencer Strider. We're in Atlanta now. It's the playoffs. <laughs> Schwerber. It's a freaking 105-mile-hour rocket out to right center field. And you go like, man, like it's just an immediate message of like, here we come, you know. And, and I know Strider gets the momentum and gets out of the inning, and that's all fine and well. And it really had no impact on the game whatsoever. But just the immediate punch being thrown by the Phillies in that spot was, was great. And that's what I want to see tonight. I, I – don't want to state the obvious, but when I think about the different ways that this game plays out, I don't love the idea of it being in the sixth or seventh inning and the Braves up or a tie game. Like, I feel like that the Phillies tonight have to try to separate themselves early. Like, if you can get up 3-1, 4-2 through five innings, like, that's where I really, I feel like that's how the Phillies win this game tonight. Like, and I, I have this weird feeling like that that's what's going to happen. Like, I actually think they're going to get to Freed tonight. I, I would not be surprised if Atlanta scores. Like, I'm not betting against Zach Wheeler. I'm not saying he's going to have a bad game. But, like, you were talking about the under. I just have a feeling like tonight might be that that weird fireworks type game. I, and that, see, I, I don't know if it goes that far. I don't think that you're, that you're I'm wrong. Talking, I'm not talking 10-9, but, like, I can yeah. see 6-4. Seven five, like you know, and, like, and, and and 
I was having this conversation with Anthony yesterday, and, and he kind of agrees with you a little bit, at least on the Phillies' offensive side. He thinks that they're going to get to Freed, and he thinks that the Braves are making the same mistake they made a year ago with Strider um, and having Freed come into a game having not pitched and being on a probably – he's probably on a pitch count, right? I would assume – you don't pitch in many innings this season. I mean, I think he's thrown 77 innings all year and yeah. very rarely, like if you go by, if you go down and look at his splits, like by inning, like the pockets one through three, four through six, I think his ERA after the seventh inning is like 20 because he hasn't thrown in the seventh inning. He's not, right. he not go deep into games. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, you're probably getting a maximum of five innings out of him and maybe even less, um, especially with the off day yesterday and an off day tomorrow. The Braves might take a little bit of a Phillies approach in this game and and start you know playing matchup uh, a little bit earlier. Um, so I I do think that there's a possibility of getting but I don't think it's going to be – I think Freed's a good enough pitcher that it's not going to be four or five runs off of him. I think that they might get, they might get two or three off of Freed. Um, and I think that the Braves are going to get a couple. And then I think maybe you get one more. Like I was thinking all along that this is a four-two, four-three final score is what my my you know gut instinct tells me as far as the the final score of the game. So I don't think it's going to be pitchers duel, but I also don't think it's going to be you know a high scoring affair either. I think it's going to be one of those middle. Of the, I middle can also of the acknowledge that when you talk about a football game, it's once a week. You try to talk about how the matchups work. Baseball, it's so hard to yeah sit here and say like let's get let's break it down and get into the essence of one one single game <laughs> especially yeah. when there's so many different variables and so much at stake it really is hard to dive into it i mean just look at this postseason just look at what has happened across the league did you have the orioles down 2-0 after two games did you have them down 9-2 in the third yesterday like i can make an argument that that rodriguez for baltimore is probably the best remaining starting pitcher left in in the american league and he was horrible yesterday he was absolutely terrible. Like, there is just so much unpredictability that goes into this. Yeah, and I'm not going to respond to that because you're you're we're dangerously close to for the third consecutive episode jumping into one last thing. <laughs> well, so, so we're actually almost right there. I, I know yeah. that we both have some commitments here this morning, so we'll hold that thought for one moment. I guess where we're naturally leading into here, though, is if I put you on the spot, you said you think it's going to be a 4-3-ish type game. So which team is going to be the one that comes out on top of that? I'm going to pick the Braves tonight. I think the okay. Braves get this game. Um, not the, And I don't think it's because of Wheeler. I, I don't. I think Wheeler will pitch just well. I think he'll be fine. He'll be typical Zach Wheeler. Um, I just have a feeling that this is the game that the Braves recognize as they have to win it or else. Um, and I think that they, they find a way to do so. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll probably come back and have a, a, an episode, Bob, where we're like, man, that was a game. The Phillies could have won. I don't mm -hmm. think it's a game where they, you know, you're like, all right, they're down the whole game and all right, whatever they lost game two of the series. I think it's one of those ones where it's going to be really close late. We're going to be a lot of edge of our seats, but it's going to be one of those ones where the Phillies are trying to get that, get that run to tie the game and just don't get it done i think that's that's what this game is tonight i'll, I'll well, pick the braves in a close one as you know my entire existence is based off of sports betting it's my career it's where i make money uh not because i'm a, a sports better heavy professional better or anything like that but i'm working affiliate marketing with sports book operators um i pay attention to this stuff all the time i write about it all the time and it's like this you know uh, I always draw it back to the NFL. Like you, you open up a, a game and you say like, all right, I expect that team to be a four point favorite tonight. And then they're a seven point favorite. And you're like, well, wait a minute. Why? And I just look at those odds tonight and I go, what am I missing here? It's how I, I started the show. Yeah. And like there's part of me. It's like that the odds makers are telling you that Atlanta's going to win the, win the game tonight. Like um, I, I can't beyond that. If I never opened up a sports betting app, I would just say like, yeah, the Phillies are going to win. They have all the momentum in the world. They have the better starting pitcher, and I like the matchup. And I think that the day off uh, not only allows them to reset the bullpen, and they have a better one than Atlanta, but that, hey, guess what? Uh, I don't know that that I, – I think that the Braves have a chance to remain disjointed offensively. I do. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, but I do think that they will find a way. Like, I think Atlanta – just is not going to roll over and, and lose two games in a row at home after a 104-win season. And the Phillies, like I said, they stick to trends. One thing that we have said for, for two years now is that the Phillies never do it the easy way. 
Like I know they haven't been playing game fives. They haven't been playing elimination games, you know, during these postseason runs, except for obviously game six last year in the world series, they've won these series pr pretty easily, but they, they don't often get out to that two Oh start. And, uh, I just can't imagine them having an opportunity on Wednesday to come back here and sweep this team. So for that reason, I'll just, even though everything that we've talked about tells me Phillies tonight, I'm just going to try to resist the urge and say Atlanta's going to find a way. Maybe I'm just protecting myself mentally here. I, I don't know. I, I hope we're wrong. Yeah. I hope we're wrong, Bob. I hope we, we come, come back off of this and be because like, I'll say this, like I picked Atlanta in five last week, like the Phillies getting, I didn't think the Phillies were going to get one of these two games down here. I thought they were going to come back down 2-0, force the issue, and send it back to Atlanta in a game five and lose. So now that the Phillies have gotten one of them, I expect them to win this series now. I do. Yeah. Like, to me, it's, you know, I, I don't want to – the season isn't a, a massive disappointment or an overwhelming failure if they don't get to the NLCS. But having won game one in that matchup and now having the chance to go to Wheeler twice, Nola mixed in, you have home field, like, is it – is it ridiculous to say the Phillies should win this series now? It's, of course it's not. Right. So, like, I'm kind of – I've sort of had my opinion flipped here on, on how this is going to play out. But yeah. tonight I do think might be, like, the one that got away. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So, let's, right, let's, so let's get to one last thing. And and I think you, you're going to know right away where I'm going with this. But does Major League Baseball have a problem, Bob, with their playoff setup? We've played six games in the divisional round. Five of them won by a wild card team. The the four teams that had the best records, the two teams in each league that had the best records in their league, are one and five. And and the one win they almost blew. <laughs> right? They they were had a five. The Astros had a five nothing lead, and the Twins came back and made it five four before Alvarez hit another home run to to seal it. And when they win six four. But they've lost five of the six. Go back to last year. The, the Dodgers get beat by the Padres. The Braves get beat by the Phillies. Like, it, you know, yeah, the Astros and the Yankees won. Okay, fine. But this is happening a lot. And I think that they're going to have to really reconsider. If things continue as they're going and Texas beats Baltimore, the Phillies you know, obviously we're still got a lot ways to go, but if they beat the Braves and if Arizona knocks off the Dodgers, which all of a sudden the Dodgers look terrible and somehow the twins, which as you, as I predict, like my prediction was that they could beat the Astros because of their pitching. And you saw it last night with Lopez, how great he is. Is does baseball have to reconsider how they're putting their playoffs together because they can't keep having the best teams get bounced in the first round. So I've thought about this question quite a bit, and I would start by saying the reason why they might do it is because it if the data supports that you don't have a decided advantage once the postseason rolls around, you start to wonder if teams are almost, what's the word, de-incentivized like, to, to not win the division, to not compete at the highest level during the regular season. Because you say, you know what, really the goal is to have home field in that wild card round and then just continue to roll right in. Like, I don't want the six days off or whatever it equates to. So I and think just real, let me stop you for one second there. So what, when Jerry DePoto says Seattle Mariners are targeting 84 wins or 85 wins, whatever the percentage, whatever percentage it was um, per season, because they feel like that's, you know, you get there, you can make the playoffs. Is that kind of what he's – is he saying that because of the way that the, the playoff system is set up? Well, you wonder. I mean, you know, hey, Atlanta Braves, you won more than 200 games over two years, and if they don't come back and win this series, you you might have won a combined two postseason games maybe, you know. And that being said, like I, I think that baseball has to answer that question. What does it mean for the, from the economics and the way that teams are built and constructed? Like you want as a sport teams to compete – to the, to the maximum level. You want them to spend. You want them to, to be in. You want to see everyone go for it. You don't want half the league punting. And then the, the half the league that's competing in the postseason or wants a postseason spot, you don't want to see them try to middle it. Like, that's not that's not good for the product from, from like, the, the – I keep saying, like, I told myself I wouldn't say, like, macro or high level this, this podcast, but, like, I don't know how else to say <laughs> it because uh, I've been saying it a ton lately. 
So that is an issue. That being said, I don't know if I feel like uh, the way I do about this, like how I do with the, the tush push or the brotherly shove. It's like, oh, well, figure it the fuck out. Like, sorry, it's not my problem that Clayton Kershaw gave up eight runs in the first inning on Saturday night. It's not my problem that the Atlanta Braves couldn't find a way to score against Ranger Suarez. You're at home. You get to throw your top two guys four times in a five game series. Cry about it. You know, like there is part of me that feels like that. So I don't know if baseball has a problem yet. I also don't know if it's fair to say like that in two years, like if it's a two year sample size, if, if that's enough evidence to say, yeah, you can't do this anymore. But I, I do think that these teams are going to cry to a point that it might enact a change. Yeah, and I think that the easiest change, Bob, to at least give it a little bit more time, like you said, two years might not be a good enough sample size. But I think that the easiest change for baseball is to make the division series a seven-game series. At least let these the, the, the better teams have a series where, okay, that game one, they can knock the rust off even if they lose it. It's it's not like the next game it becomes do or die for them. It really gives them like okay, we shouldn't have lost game one to that team, but all right, they're still they still have to beat us three more times in the next right. six, right? Give the so I think that that's the easy solution is you make the NLDS a seven game series instead of a five game series. Yeah, um, but you look at the, these games, and I I actually agree with that. But like Baltimore, sorry guys, like that that's on you to go yeah. out and. Game one is game one, but to come back in game two, you're down 2-0 in the NLDS after that layoff. Like that's that's a, as they say online, a skill issue. Like, yeah, sorry that you imploded. Like, I, you know, so it's it's one of those things where I I want to look at it and say, figure it out. Oh well, but if this thing continues on and we continue to see this type of of uh, or these type of results, then it probably is something that baseball is going to look at. Yeah, I think so too. I think so too. And I don't think it's going to be, I don't think that the crying will be, oh, they should recede. And, you know, because you're going to hear a lot of that from Atlanta, like, oh, we shouldn't have played the Phillies. We should have played the Diamondbacks and the Phillies should have had to play the Dodgers. I, I, I you know, the receding thing is whatever. I mean, I, I don't think it's that, that, that there's that huge of a difference, right? Uh, when it really comes down to it. So you really shouldn't be bitching about that. But I do think that there's got to be a way to, I mean, five, don't five days off, man. Yeah, and that, then another that one. Tough. That's extraordinarily tough yeah. with another one built in. But like, I will go back and say like the Phillies had to risk it last week. The Phillies had to yeah. risk the possibility of not even getting to this round. Like everyone wants to just overlook the fact that like a team won those games to get to this spot. Like, yeah, there, there is an inherent advantage in just automatically advancing. Well, like, it, yeah, but I think I think what it's not a, it's not necessarily overlooking that. I, I think what it is is this, Bob. If you're if you're the top team, if you're Atlanta or you're LA or whoever, it doesn't matter who that team is that's going to come in and play against you, whether it would have been the Phillies or the Marlins, whether it's the Diamondbacks or um, or Milwaukee, whatever. It's the fact that the team, whoever it is that comes in has been playing games that matter yeah. down the stretch and continue to play games that matter while we've been sitting around doing nothing after playing 162 games in 180 days. Yeah. Well, and and that, that's, that's that's the change. about it this season, though, where we're saying, like, hey, cool, the Braves have not played a meaningful game in three months. Like, yeah. they've been so good. It's such a credit to how great they've been that they have not had to sweat the outcome of a game. They haven't had to look at the scoreboard. They haven't had to look at the out-of-town scoreboard. They haven't had to worry about a loss having an impact on their standing. Like, I think that that actually for the Braves, like this specific issue, I think the your point and the issue from a general perspective is correct. But I actually think that this Braves situation is different in that they have not had to compete, really compete in terms of like, we've got to win, play with urgency for, for months. And I also think that the Phillies – matchup is unique to Atlanta in that this is yeah. like the team you didn't want to face. And I think it's the, the Phillies Braves result to me is more about that than it is about the layoff. But I do concede that the layoff probably has an impact. And, and I'm just saying for everybody, not just Atlanta. You see, I don't know if you saw the tweet last night, uh, somebody, uh, a Braves fan or writer or media guy tweeted out that like, if you look at the Braves hard hit percentage this season, it, it was the same in game one as it's been all year. 
If you look at the Braves' whiff rate in game one, it was the same as it was all year. It was like the contact rates were exactly the same. Like all the swing profile and swing data was exactly what it had been over 162 games. They just didn't get the result and that it was like a product of bad luck. I think that that's completely dismissive of what, what actually transpired on Saturday. <laughs> but it is interesting, right? Like to, yeah. to note, like they swung and missed just like they always do. They hit the ball hard just like they always do. They just didn't elevate it. Like it didn't work out for them. I don't know. It's what kind of makes it interesting, right? It's like why we're all captivated by this because of the unpredictability. But, you know. That's it's what works for the NFL. We talk about it's a week-to-week league. You never know what's going to happen. All these games are crazy. Like, I, I love the chaos, but maybe I love the chaos because it's benefited to the Phillies to, to this point. Yeah, I, I think I think that, that, you know, we all do. We all, I mean, it's been great for the Phillies to this point. So, of course, we all think that that's a good thing. I just think that, I think I think at some point, somebody's going to say to baseball, yeah, this has to change. <laughs> where, where are you at real quick before we get out of here on the brotherly shove? I, I don't think that i i'm i don't i never liked it as a in general um because i was i I like the old rule where you can't push a guy from behind Mm -hmm. that said i mean why wouldn't you run it repeatedly 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 if if nobody can stop it like i mean if if it's within the rules do it yeah i think that there's going to be i think they're going to stop it though because it feels like they're going to stop it oh i love the injury concern thing if you want to assume the risk of running that play then that's on you like yeah, that's my my thought. But hey, whatever. Yeah, but I mean, defensive player, defensive players are getting hurt too, not just the offensive yeah. players. So I think that's why they're gonna. I think that's why they're gonna stop it. But I, yeah, I you know wow. it's not an it's not an exciting play by any stretch. But what quarterback sneak is right? Yeah. How about those 49ers? You're a 49ers, Anthony. Yeah, well, I've been trying to tell people that this Brock Purdy is is special. Is yeah. he's a he's a special quarterback. He. I'm screen god. I call him screen god. Nobody throws better screens than Brock Purdy. He threw some passes yesterday, though. That I were, know. That were I know. Really I was. Uh, I was put on notice yesterday by that game. I, I was. I was yeah. like, oh wow, like this wasn't twenty three twenty. It was like, get the fuck out of our stadium. Yeah. You don't belong. You don't belong in the same field as as us. Is what Dallas that game. absolutely blows. By the way. Yeah. They're not, right, they're not, anyway, <laughs> they're not even. They're not even the third best team in the NFC. Nah, they like there was a question. Lions are better than them. I think Seattle yeah. might be Seattle might be better than Dallas too. I agree. The, the, the Rams might be better than Dallas. Could be. Could no, be. I'll tell you what. Very interesting next week. Dallas and the Chargers. Yeah. Out west, like the, the Cowboys might be three and three after next week. So we'll could, see. Could All be. right. Well, that'll do it for uh, Inside the Birds. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now we will be back. Uh, we haven't talked about this, but we're going to record tomorrow morning after this game, right? Is that? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think we'll put one out after each game after the, each right. game now going forward. All right, lovely. So we got Phillies Braves game two tonight. Max Fried, Zach Wheeler should be an interesting one. We'll be back to, uh, tomorrow morning to talk about it. Uh, thanks for listening to Crossed Up. You can follow Anthony uh, at Ansan Philly on Twitter. You can follow me at Bob underscore Wankel. And we will talk to you tomorrow.